Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Over the next hour, you'll have the opportunity to listen to Cynthia Hyatt, an internationally recognized therapist and life management expert in private practice with offices in Phoenix and Scottsdale. As a captivating communicator, Cynthia engages, energizes, and inspires her audiences to become all God created them to be. For more information on Cynthia's diverse background, log on to CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Let the next 60 minutes inspire, motivate, and encourage you to become your own best version. Now, here's Cynthia. Well, welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt. So glad always that you are joining me today. And I have a guest today that is first time on our show. And this is Tim McGeehan. And I'm so excited to have him. He's a very inspiring, very motivating gentleman. And I met him through some some friends. And if you remember, we love Pastor Tom Moffat. He's a good friend of, of Tom Moffat. And in fact... This gentleman, Tim McGeehan, and I and Tom Moffat are going to be doing a growth summit May 21st that we're going to let you know more about. So let me tell you about who Tim is. He is a founder and CEO of TDM Consulting and a CEO and co-founder of BeFit Brands. does consulting on an international management and consulting firm. He specializes in executive coaching, leadership development, employee engagement, and performance management. Now, he also is a 20-year veteran of Best Buy began his career at Best Buy in 1998 as a sales associate and advanced through the whole entire retail organization with expanding responsibilities, including being a district manager and a regional manager, regional vice president. And in 2002, he was named senior vice president, overseeing stores in the eastern half of the United States and was actually appointed the executive vice president of retail sales. So I could go on and on. He managed 125,000 employees, $42 billion in sales, but the reason I tell you all of that is the, when we were chatting this uh, last couple weeks ago, I said to him, you know, the fourth quarter is the only one that counts. Because he and I both have shared, as well as many of the guests I've had on the show, lots of ups and downs in our careers. And this, it's this comeback, this idea of the comeback uh, mentality. And so when I said to him, you know, the fourth quarter is the only one that counts, I said, what does that mean to you? Because... We are in, in many ways, halftime and third quarter, fourth quarter. So what do we do with our life? What is God wanting us to do? How do we finish well? So, Tim, thank you for being in the studio today. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Yes, very glad. So tell, tell the listeners, you know, I gave them all, all about you. So tell us, when I said to you, hey, the fourth quarter is the only one that counts, and I saw your eyes light up a little. What does that mean to you? Well, it let it, you know, my eyes lit up just because of the fact that that gives me another shot. Right, exactly. it, gives, it gives me another chance, and all the lessons that I've learned in the first, second, and third quarter, I should be able to take those lessons and take that learning journey that I've had through the first three quarters of this game to finish strong in the fourth quarter. Right. And see, I think, you know, some of we were talking about this idea that some of us can lose heart. You know, it gets weary. It gets tiring. Yeah, and very. I know that I've had times in my life where I was just like, okay, I think I just want to be done. You know, and maybe if I can just, like, God, can I be done? Instead of saying, wait, he's the one that determines the amount of days I live. Yeah. He's, de- he's destined those. Yeah. So how do I pace myself? How do I keep motivated? How do I keep coming back? 
I, I don't know the pace is the appropriate thing because I think God's energy is as big as the beach. I think that's a great and, point. And so we yes. can continue to pull any piece of sand that we want out of that never-ending beach. And if you went to the beach in Mexico, you could never fill your pail up enough. And it just keeps coming. So he coming. is There's a never-ending resource. You're right. It's never-ending. And so for me, I, I don't know if it's an energy thing. I think it's more about how we spend our time with us because you have to take care of your health. You have to take care of your emotional needs and your physical needs and, and, and certainly live a balanced life. And I think that's what God's intended for all of us. However, that's not as easy as it sounds. Well, just live a balanced life and you'll be okay. And Humpty Dumpty, everything goes fine. And maybe you don't fall off the wall like I have a few times. However, there's a lot more to the game than, than just living the fourth quarter or just being in the fourth quarter because there's a lot of work we can continue to do. And, and we certainly know that if we're going to stay with this metaphor, you can't stay in the locker room that you have to get out of the locker room. If you want to win the Super Bowl, I bet there's a lot of teams that never wanted to go back on the field halfway through the game. And I can tell you there's a lot of times I didn't want to go back into the game, so to speak. You know, I I had a nice, you know, relatively long career with a Fortune 100 company where I was at for 20 years. But when I left there at 40 years old, it, it, it all of a sudden struck me that now I'm not inside of this structure. I have to reinvent myself. Well, Well, what am I going to do? And all of a sudden, it's like, well, am I good enough to go out in the marketplace? Well, what can I do? What are my skill set? Because I've been in this big corporation that really allowed me to grow and enabled some of my best traits to come out and some of my not-so-great traits. And so now it was time for me to strategize and decide what I really wanted to do. However, that's not how it played out for me in my journey. I just kind of stumbled into (laughs) new things, you know, come hook or crook and and, and learn new lessons and new businesses that I started up. And some went well and some not so well. Um, but But I do believe part of that game is ensuring that we we not only strategize, but we be very deliberate and purposeful about where we want to go in the fourth quarter and how we want to go there. I think, you know, I was having a conversation, I told you about this a little bit, with a a gentleman I hadn't seen in 26 years. He was a college buddy. And so we quickly caught up over an hour, hour and a half period of time. We didn't have a lot of time just on our lives and the different routes. And he's living over in Dallas. And now I'm in Scottsdale. And we both were going to school up in northern Minnesota. But it's very interesting how people jump into their new reality of what direction do I want to go. And it is a choice. And it's a very deliberate choice. And I think God has given us free will just for that, Cynthia, that we have to make those choices, strategize. And he's giving us all the tools and the knowledge and the know-how, it just really comes down to how do we choose to deploy it and act upon it? Well, I think that's a lot to, to consider because there is that piece that how do we differentiate between God's will, our will, what seems like a right thing for us. And, you know, we have that wonderful Proverbs that says there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end leads to death. Yeah. And people that are highly talented or highly motivated or you know, um, inspired, you know, there are many things, that, endeavors that you might think are right, you know, but are they really God's will, God's way? You know, I think that's a very good question because I, I at times struggle with that. Like, what is that voice? Is that my voice? Is that my ego? Or is that really the right. spirit moving me right. to do what, what what I'm really destined to do? You know, I can't help but think of artists or people that just love doing what they do. They they mm-hmm. breathe what they do when they give up because it is God's talent inside of them, and they couldn't imagine any other life. 
I know personally when I've went off the beaten path to go, well, I'm going to go open this business. And here I opened a furniture store in Minneapolis. What am I doing opening a furniture store? Now, granted, I was CEO for a furniture company in London, but I have no <laughs> right opening a furniture store in a design showroom. I mean, you see me here dressed today. You wouldn't see me as a designer, I can tell you that. And yet I opened up a design showroom. That is not my strength. That is not my gift. And, and you know what? I paid the price for that financially, emotionally, and time. And, and that's the one thing we don't have more of is time. And so I, I don't always know the answer to that, but I do know when you find that spot, that secret sauce, you tend to be more peaceful. You get calm inside. Well, I think it gives you energy, it, too. It, it gives you energy, and not only that, it, and I hate to use this phrase, but you just want to jump out of bed and go to work. Exactly. Whatever work may be for you, and and, and I know that that might be a bit overused. Of, you know, really? You know, I, I don't want to go to work today, but it's not so much about the work. It's about how you feel internal, and I think that becomes a lot of the work when you're in the fourth quarter about, wow, I am tired. I've taken some dings. I I'm not really proud about some of my behavior and you know I'm not proud about a lot of my behavior to be honest with you at times you know just a few weeks ago we were at an event and my wife and I went sideways that's not real proud moment for us you know and we don't like doing that we're taking did you do it public it was a bit public (laughs) yeah it wasn't real it wasn't one of my prouder moments let me tell you but we're both taking withdrawals out of each other and we adore each other we love each other Mm -hmm. and and you know what all of a sudden we're like whoa whoa hey hang on a second what you know what are we doing and so there's always those moments of shame in, in and oftentimes you won't want to move out of that box, but you must. And you must find a way to surround yourself with people that believe in you and want to spend time with you and pray for you and, and have your best interest in mind. And certainly my wife and I do, but that's no different than any other relationship. I can tell you I'm sideways with one of my sons right now, and he's 19 years old. So for all your listeners that have 19-year-olds, I know they can appreciate that. <laughs> I know. I always tell people, teens and toddlers, teens yeah. and toddlers. But So I think addressing this idea of you know, sometimes maybe we take life a little too seriously and we get into condemnation and we think we have to do everything perfect every time. And if we make a mistake, then, oh, we missed God. And and instead of realizing that God already, you know, put that into the mix, he already understood that that was going to happen. That was already a part of the learning curve. And the only way that we find God many times, find ourselves, is in where he's not and in what we're not. And so sometimes we have to do that shadow side and we have to get that out of our system. And so it's it's about never condemning ourselves for effort. Yeah, very hard to do, I think. It's at times. very hard to do. Um, and I think if it weren't for God's love and grace, that it would str- I would personally struggle a great deal. Well, and sometimes we want to quit. We want to say, you know, I'm a loser. I, you know, I can't make this happen. I can't make this work. And And I always remind myself, wow, when I hear other people's stories of failure, I don't think badly of them. Yeah, I'm inspired that they went back and tried again. Yeah, exactly. And so we need to employ that for ourselves personally and say, if we had a setback, if we had a major failure, let's say that, you know, we were doing well in our career and our personal life just went haywire and it ended up affecting our personal, our business life. And we lost a business or we lost a job. Mm -hmm. Well, it doesn't mean that the talents and abilities are gone. You know, those talents are irrevocable. And God doesn't want to stop using them because we we misused them or made a mistake. I think one of the hardest things for me in my life has been to forgive myself. Absolutely. And, and without, we have to always remember without failure, there is no growth. W- without me tearing my muscle up, my muscle is not going to be rebuilt because that's the definition of if I'm going to grow my muscle, I got to tear it up a little bit. It hurts, it's sore, and then it's going to get bigger and stronger. Especially at my age, I have to do a lot of that. But I, I, I would say without failure, there is no growth. W- without redundant, without without kind of um, 
this turning around of growing and learning and mm-hmm. roadblocks, not redundant, but roadblocks mm-hmm. along the way, you're, you, you won't grow. Right. And, and you're not going to feel what is the difference between a vision of good and this roadblock that I'm currently in. Well, I, you know, it's one of those things where, like, I think I can forgive myself, but I sometimes can't get over myself. Yeah. You know, and it's like, it's getting that confidence back and recognizing that the confidence really should not be in me to begin with. Mm-hmm. It really should be in God. Yeah. You know, and that, that idea that, you know, really all he's asking me to do is put forth the best effort that I, that I have. Yeah. And that it's, it's not going to necessarily pay off every single time. But that it's, it's this whole idea of not taking my life so seriously. Now, it doesn't mean that I'm irresponsible or that I like, well, you know, sorry, sorry I messed that up. That's your, you know, you're going to have to deal with it. It's recognizing that I get one life, right? and this is my life, yep. and I just need to live it. And it's, some of it's going to be messy, and quite a bit of it is going to be messy. Yeah, I, I know we're heading to break, but we, that's a great discussion, I think, for when we come back, is how do you reset your frame mm-hmm. when you're coming out of a messy time or when you have come back from a failure? And just exactly what do you do to make sure you gain clarity and next steps moving ahead? Well, and that's taking advantage of the locker room versus staying inside it. That's exactly yeah. right. So we're going to talk about what the locker room talks are for. <laughs> well, not all of them, but some of them. Well, that, it, we, Exactly. We can't quite go there, but we're going to have conceptually what the locker room is for. Absolutely. Yeah. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me again with Tim McGeehan, total uh, really inspiring, motivating person with his life story that I love. And so join us again. You can always listen to my show on CynthiaHyatt.com. And make sure that you join us again. This is 1360 KPXQ Faith Talk Radio. Oh, gosh. Well, welcome back. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. And I'm here with Tim McGeehan, executive coach. He does leadership development, employee engagement, performance management. And I'm so glad that he's here because we are talking about this concept of the fourth quarter is the only one that counts. And, you know, when we look biblically... We see that really the fourth quarter, with anyone that did anything big, it was the fourth quarter. It was Moses, it was Joseph, it was David, it was Jesus. It was, you know, and we see this concept and and we have um, lots of examples of people that were a lot older maybe than we thought when they did some of their greatest work. And Tim, you were sharing some of those people with me um, off air, that Colonel Sanders, Ronald Reagan... These yeah, did, that, did you know, and I had forgotten this, Ronald Reagan didn't get elected to president until he was 69. See, I, that is amazing because he looked so young, and I think of him as a young president. E- even Henry Ford, for those of us that drive a Ford, Henry mm-hmm. Ford didn't come up with the Model T until he was 45 years old. It's amazing. And Colonel Sanders, you were telling 65 me. 65 when he launched Kentucky Fried Chicken. He amazing. took 1,000 no's, by the way, before somebody actually bought his recipe. 1,000 no's. See, that's commitment to a vision. Mm-hmm. It that is really commitment is. to a vision. Which we're, I, I know we'll spend more time chatting about this later, but that's kind of what my four key points are. That, that number one, your vision has to be clear for what direction you want to take that. And we can talk more about that later. Um, you know, I've heard so often, Cynthia, from friends, colleagues, myself even, do I still have it? Am I too old? Was I just lucky before? You know, shame from my past mistakes. Is it, you know, is this new role beneath me? And really, what do I have to offer? Well, what is it that I bring to the table that's any different? And I think we can get caught in that locker room, which is not the right locker room, by the way, but we can get caught in that locker room, mm-hmm. and it's not a good place to be. And, and, and I've seen it with some of my good friends. They all of a sudden become somewhat aimless, and I, and I kind of call it my wandering 
touring years, really, where I really wasn't sure where I was going. I was in between careers. I was coming out of a, a relationship that had failed, which I was very much you know, shocked by and, and just didn't work out in my life. I was struggling with one of my sons. And next thing I know, I'm wandering for a number of years trying to find real purpose and meaning in my life. And, and one of the things that I, that I think shook me, first of all, was, was a, a scenario with my son where I, my ex-wife and I had to send my son away to, to a parochial school for the most part, you know, somewhat of a, a school up in Utah for not only just school but for substance abuse. And that really brought me to my knees that said, you know, that there's something that's happened here. That kind of that pivotal moment for me was when I sent my young son away. And at the same token, there have been lots of crises in people's lives that they have this, this crucible moment that it, it is, what are you going to do now? What, where am I now? I'm coming out of a failed marriage. I'm, I'm struggling with my children. I just got fired from my job. Now what do I do? So I think that's important. If we take this analogy of the locker room, so every great team has, has those famous locker room moments. And we have all those wonderful movies that show us those locker room moments and and, you know, some of the elements in that, when I think about a locker room moment, I think, well, who's the coach for one? You know, and like yeah. when we look at Job, when he was going through all that, who were his coaches? Well, he did not have good coaches. Yep. The four friends started well, but in the end, they started really talking him down. Yeah. Then we have his wife who's like, curse God and die. Not good coaches. Not ideal. Not. No. We have Jesus' friends who, in his real big hour of need, he's like, can I have one hour, not good coaches, in his locker room moment? So we want to really think about who are our coaches? Who, are, who is talking to us? If we are in that moment where we've had a big failure or we're doing a major life transition, a major, maybe a, a major uh, relationship has failed and we're going to be single at 50, at 40, 50, 60, you know, and, and we're thinking, what has happened? Or, you know, what, what if we have a real big falling out with a child? What if we have a loss of a family member? You know, we lose a business, we get fired from a job, you know, we get, we get cancer and we recover from it, but mm-hmm. our whole entire three years of life was spent fighting it and we lost everything we worked toward it. So who are our coaches, for yeah, one? Yeah, I think, and actually on May 21st when we're together, I'm yes. going to spend some time chatting about this because it's one of my keys to success is who do you surround yourself with. Yes. First and foremost, as we know, it's God. Mm-hmm. And, and, and he is sitting with us. Jesus is sitting right with us in the locker room every single moment of our life. And so if you're looking any place other than that, go there first and fe- spend exactly. your time quietly. Exactly. In, in my time where I wasn't close to God, Cynthia, and, and that was a big part of my life, or you know, not as close as I would like to be, I always had to reframe where I was at in my life and reset the context of where I was. Part of that is being honest with yourself. And some people call that facts. Some people call that math. I used to call it math, you know, never lies. Just look in your checkbook and you'll know math does not lie and the bank doesn't, you know, unless they make a mistake, <laughs> the facts are right in front of you. Right. And, and part of that is, I, you know, one of my keys to success is you got to be open and honest with who you really are and honesty of self-appraisal. So I think it starts there and that gives you a shot to reset who you really want to be. You know, do you want to be standing on the wall with a sword in one hand and a trawl in the other? Or how do you want to spend your time? And we've got lots of examples from biblical times. We have lots of examples from, you know, do you know that Julia Child, speaking of examples, just in our current relevant time, (laughs) Julia Childs did not write her first book until she was 50. That's amazing. Her first cookbook at 50. You know, I remember this this adorable old lady on TV, you know, pushing cookbooks, and she didn't do her first one until 50. So it's not over until... It's over. It's over. That's right. And and I, I have seen this happen. I have some friends of mine that have retired very young. And 
I, I can tell you almost to a T, most of them are aimless, mm-hmm. they're wanderless, and they're not living a purpose-driven life. They've backed completely out. Now, I don't think that's about retirement. I think that's about where your heart is and where you're setting your vision for how you want your life to look. Well, and it's the misnomer or the the lie that we believe from the enemy that vacation is what we should all live for when God actually designed us to work. Exactly. Now, it doesn't mean that we're supposed to be like these workaholics, but he designed us to be productive, to be changing the world, changing ourselves, changing people, changing, you know, really taking back what the enemy has stolen. And he's designed us for that. Well, I think that's one of the dichotomies as you get older, isn't it? Because in your early years, you're filled with action all the time. Because it's almost right in front of you. If you decide not to go to university or college, you leave and you get a job because you have to. You have this apartment. And if you were like me, I didn't have any furniture in my first apartment. I had a waterbed, if you can remember this, that was <laughs> Now you're really dating yourself. I know, I know. That was $199. But it was you have a old, lava lamp, it was, too. I did not. I couldn't afford it. But, but it was the only thing I had in this room. I had an apartment. I had no furniture in it. And, and what happens is throughout your life, it's kind of set in front of you to take action. Well, I'm going to go right. to college, and now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find a spouse. Well, there's a momentum. Spouse. There's yes. momentum that it kind of takes you along that current. Yes. And, and s- when in 50s, you kind of have to create your own momentum sometimes. Yeah, exactly. Well, when you're younger, action is built in. I'm going right. to have my first house. I'm gonna, I right. might have children or I may not, but now I have responsibility. I'm in my first career. Well, all of a sudden, you might now be in your 50s or approaching 50. You know, most part, your kids are probably grown, and now it's you saying, well, what now? Or you're now? starting a new family. Or you're starting a new family, or a new marriage, or a new mm-hmm. relationship, mm-hmm. or a new business, and now it's not so obvious of what's right that's in front right. of you. That's right. And to me, now is when the work begins. Exactly. Well, see, and I think that's, that's the toughest part, is that's that redefining moment. And I think there are different points in our life where we redefine ourselves. Every time we change careers, I mean, I changed careers. I, my undergrad is fashion design and merchandising. And so I changed careers radically, you know, and so that was 1990. And in the 80s, I was like way 80s girl, you know, I was going to be a rock star and a fashion designer. Okay. So (laughs) we all know that was, yeah, that's not, did not, that was not God's plan. Yeah, That was my plan. And that was a way that seemed right to me, but it was not leading to life. Yeah, that's so for the sure. blonde-haired J-Lo didn't it turn didn't, out? It didn't yeah. work. Okay. It really did. Okay. But you know, there's some people really thought it might. Yeah. I mean, I, I quite, I had a following, right? Not enough. No. That's not where God was going, obviously. So it's that redefining of, you know, where am I? Where am I going? Going? Where is God's voice in this? So this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia, and I'm so glad that you joined me today with Tim McGeehan. We are here at a hard break. We are coming back. We have a half hour to go with Tim. Join me again as we talk about this concept of the fourth quarter is the only one that counts. Welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, and very thankful that you're joining me today. And I have Tim McGeehan. He is a consultant, um, does international management, has a consulting firm, specializes in executive coaching, leadership development, employee engagement, performance management. I mean, he really has some great um, concepts, protocols as to how to really understand the reworking of your life, reframing your life, how to redefine your life, and, and that we all know that, of course, that starts with the designer of your life, and that is God. And so, Tim, thank you for joining me yeah, again. Yeah, good to be here. Thank it's always you. awesome. And uh, we are doing this growth summit that you're going to be talking more about what we're talking about today. Yeah. And that's on May 21st, so May we're 21st, excited about yeah. that. And um, so we kind of talked off air a little bit about this idea of understanding, wow, what if I find myself in this like locker room moment where 
the first half, there were parts of it that went really well. But I, wow, this, this did not end well. And I'm stuck here. And how am I going to finish out the game? And am I going to finish out the game? Mm-hmm. And understanding that really there is no option to, to walk off the field and out of the stadium into the parking lot. I mean, well, you can walk out there if you'd like. Well, it, well, everywhere you go, there you are. Exactly. So we have, to, we have to finish. And it's really being willing to finish well. And sometimes we need a little break. Sometimes we, we have to lick our wounds. That's okay. But we have to get back up into the game. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, you know, the comment of everywhere you, you know, go, there you are, mm-hmm. is that you can't get away from yourself. So if, you know, oftentimes I'll talk to friends or colleagues or even I've thought of myself, well, in the next relationship or when I, you know, It's next, always out there. Yeah, in the next <laughs> generation, I'll tell you what, I'll get really good and, and you know, what, I'll, I'll be, you know, exactly. more compassionate, more empathetic. Right. But you take how you leave and exit one part of your life into the next part of your life if you don't address it. And you will bring whatever you had in your past relationship into your new relationship, into your, you know, what you had in your old business, you'll bring to your new business unless you deliberately, purposefully go about addressing what caused some of the dilemmas, crisis, or the victories or wins. It goes both ways, right? Mm -hmm. I was really great at this here. Can that transfer to my new agenda, my new relationship, et cetera? Um, and, and, you know, in the latter years, it changes a bit. You don't have the energy, right? You, you, you have to actually take time to define your purpose. Well, when you're younger, it's kind of just thrown out in front of you. And that's what the teenage years are You're kind of chasing about. it when you're younger. Yeah, you mm-hmm. are chasing it. And, and I just read a little bit through this book called, you know, The Difference Between Success and Significance. And, and as you start to mature and you go through some crisis and you get some years under you or you have some failings, which we've all had, or mistakes or humbling moments, um, you know, I was mountain biking yesterday with a friend of mine speaking of that. I got to tell you what, I was so humbled. He was blown by me so fast up these hills. And I'm like, wow, just another humbling moment. Well, in all those little moments in your life, there are lessons in that that says, wow, I should have trained harder for that ride. One, you know, just being kind of silly about it. But at the same token, in real life, there's, there's not only just another shot. I mean, you have to miss, you have to fail before you can actually grow and learn. Michael Jordan missed 9,000 shots, and he's one of the all-time greatest basketball players ever. So when you first learned to ride a bike, I bet you didn't fall down once and quit. That's right. You know, when you, well, it's really learning to compete with yourself and not other people. Exactly right, because that is really where all of the inner strength is going to come exactly. from. It, it's coming from within you. And so how, you, you can take one set, which is the people that I, I like to call in the stands. So now we're out of the locker room, we're into the stands. They are waiting and they're hoping. They're making excuses why they can't. They're blaming other people usually, and they're very passive about it. If you want to be a player that's on the field, then you're a make-it-happen individual, and you're finding solutions. You're putting people around you to create new ideas. You're owning your own life journey. And you're getting over the first half. And you're getting over the first half. And if the first half was great, you realize it was still the past. You know who I think does this incredibly well is professional golfers. Professional golfers have this uncanny ability to forget the last shot. I can't do that when I'm on a golf course. I can tell you that. I, I, I hit one straight into the desert, and I, I mumble at myself for two holes. Well, what do I do the next two holes? I hit it right back into the desert where it was before. So you have to have this, this mindset that what happened yesterday is gone. You have to forgive the bad shot. You have to forgive the bad relationship, and that starts inside with you. That's right. And I think that's really imperative because all of us hurt when we make mistakes. And anybody that's really had a comeback— had to get over themselves and forgive themselves and recognize that that really is the only way humans learn is by making mistakes. Yeah. Unfortunately, there really isn't a whole lot of other ways to learn. And so we have to kind of write that into our own script that we allow ourselves to say, well, that might not have been the mistake I would have preferred, 
but it is the mistake I can learn from. And as soon as I learn from it, it actually is in the past. And the better I do in the future, the more people are excited about what I learned. They don't focus as much on the failure. They focus on the failure if I never come back. Right. And that's imperative for us to remind ourselves is that God is always the God of comebacks. Well, you're going to be here. So why not get on the field? Exactly. Exactly. You're not going anywhere. So let's, let's maximize exactly. where you're at today. So we've got one segment left, and what are we going to talk about in that next segment? You had four points that I really liked. Yeah, Cynthia, I think when you always need to spend time, or at least I do, I always have to reset myself or reframe myself about what direction I'm going to go. So when we come back, I'd like to talk a little bit about how you do that and what are okay. four really simple things you can do every day, every week, in your business, with your family, with your friends to stay lined up. Perfect. This is Cynthia Hyatt, 1360 KPXQ Faith Talk Radio. Make sure you visit my website at CynthiaHyatt.com. If you've not been able to listen to this show in its entirety, certainly visit Facebook at Cynthia Hyatt, Inc. That's INC for Incorporated. Well, welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt. So glad that you joined me. And this is our last segment with Tim McGeehan, a professional life management coach as well as a business coach, uh, employee management. He does all kinds of wonderful things when it comes to businesses, understanding businesses, remaking businesses, knowing where you're at in your business and how to have a great comeback. And so we've really been talking about that idea about the comeback and that the fourth quarter is really the only one that counts. So I want to also encourage you. If you're just tuning in, this has been a great show, and I want you to hear what Tim has to say. So make sure you go to the website at CynthiaHyatt.com, and you can listen to the show in its entirety. You can also look forward to hearing Tim speak May 21st at a growth summit that we are doing together, which I'm very excited about. Yeah, it's going to be great fun. And so, Tim, tell us about—well, first tell us about a little bit about the growth summit, but then I want you to really hone in on these four points. Yeah, on May 21st, Cynthia, I, I, I started coming across a lot of individuals that— we're really looking for some place to learn and grow and sharpen their saw and to steal a little bit of Covey's book. And I thought, wow, what, why, what a great opportunity to put a, you know, a number of people together in the same room that have you know, similar objectives of really personal growth, business growth and development. And so you and I started talking about it with our good friend Tom Moffat and said, well, let's take a few hours, spend a little bit of time together. It's actually going to be up in Scottsdale and we'll spend some time just talking about how do you sharpen your saw? I know you're going to spend some time talking about you know, relationships and the difference in gender dialogue. Etc., which I could use all the help I could get. So. Well, and you know, it helps with businesses too because oh, once oh, you understand you know, the hardwiring of men and women, you deal with them very differently. Well, and I, you know, candidly, I could have used this 15 years ago because I was doing, you know, contracts all over the world in my past life. And so, you know, that would have been important. And then I know Tom's going to talk about some timely uh, disciplines and some di- uh, real timely or, um, you know, principles that really serve your life. And I'm going to spend a little bit of time talking about what I think are seven, eight keys to success in your life every single day. Love it. So here we are, the comeback. Yeah. We're in the locker room. We're not going to be in the stand. We're not walking off the field. We're not going to live the tailgate party. Yeah. I, I want to go to the tailgate, but I don't <laughs> get to go. We're going to come back. We're going to show up. We're going to really say, okay, God, the gifts you've given me are irrevocable. Yeah. I need to get back out on the field again. doesn't mean that we don't need to have time to like get ourselves centered again. And you know, if you have a big blow... Sometimes it takes years to like get it figured out, That's but we okay. need to still get back out there because yeah. we still have lots to offer. And and in this in this world of especially in our country of ageism, we have to really resist thinking that the, if we're older, that we have no relevance because it is not true, and that is a lie from yeah. the enemy. Yeah. 
Com- complete lie. It, yes. it, it, I was yes. I was running on a trail not too long ago. I used to be a runner years ago, and I don't really run much anymore. But I was running on a trail. Seventy five year old guy comes up and starts jogging with me. His name is Bill, and I was so impressed. I'm like, you know, at the time I was you know younger than I am today. And he, I said, Bill, you're out here running. He says, I have to. And I said, Well, what do you mean you have to? He says, Yeah, t- Tim. And we you know introduced ourselves as we're jogging along this trail in, in Minnesota. And he says, Listen, I I just believe you have to burn your couch. And I said, burn your couch. And he says, yeah, all my friends love to sit in their couch and every one of them are sick. And you know what? I, don't, I, I burn my couch and here I am. I'm out here today moving. That, I love it. That, I love it. That was a deliberate choice mm-hmm. Bill made. And I think that's step one. You, you have to make a choice. God has given you a choice. You have free will. You have to choose the kind of life that you want. When you make that choice, not only do you get empowered, but you gain a great deal of energy to start moving forward. And this is a bit about momentum. In the fourth quarter, if you, or let's just call it halftime, if you're at halftime and you're going to stay in the locker room, that's your choice. If, if you just want to fall out and check out, that's your choice. However, in most games, you're still going to have to go out there and play. I know when I played hockey, at, at the end of the third period, if we weren't doing so well, <laughs> I still had to go out. Not only was I captain of the team, I didn't have a choice. I had to go out, right? And, and today, you don't have a choice either. You have your life to live. It, it just depends on how you want to live it. Well, and, you know, we have the whole intent. Like, you know, we were laughing about me being a cheerleader, right? Yeah. You know, and it's realizing that. I can so we, picture we, it, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, think, I think I want to say thank you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it's like thinking about the whole stadium. And it's like, you know, they're all waiting, for you to come out of the locker room. Yeah. And so we have to remember that there is a world that is waiting for all of us to come out and do our piece of history, well, whatever small, big piece that is. Yeah. You know, I was in Michigan. I used to live in D- just outside Detroit, and I got the opportunity to walk out the tunnel where the Michigan football team comes out. And I'll tell you what, it's eerie. It's almost wow. like spooky. And when you walk out and you see how large that stadium is, I felt like, you know what, we all get a shot to walk out the That's tunnel right. every single day into right. our stadium and how we choose that. So I think there are real deliberate things all of us can do, and I have to remind myself of these things all the time, that my life is a choice. And once we choose to engage, or we can choose to passively sit in the stands, mm-hmm. but you're going to leave a legacy whether you want to or not. That's right. And so you got to decide what kind of legacy you because want to Because our kids are watching us do every age. It, like I'm watching my mother do 84. Yes, yeah. And that's how she and that I learn how to do eighty four or not do eighty four. My kids are, my that's friends right. are, that's my, right. my old friends, my all family. All the people members. around us, all our employees that are younger than us are, yes. are watching how we do this age. Yeah. And and it's important that we realize that it, it's not about what we think is relevant. It's about us showing up and knowing that God created us, therefore that gives us relevance. We are relevant to God's kingdom. You you know the Zagat's book, right, that we all mm-hmm. look at to see the score? Tim Zagat didn't launch that until he was fifty one years old. See, and then I mean, his wife left her company. They joined together. They ended up selling the company for $155 million to, I, I don't remember the company they sold it to, but they ended up selling it. He was 51 when he finally left his business to run this full time because it got so big on him. That's, and see, you and I both know that if people show up and do their life hard, they like it better anyways. Even if there's failures, you like it better. Well, here's the one thing I think all of these individuals that we're talking about had, had a moment, whether it's Jesus and his last hours and his last days. Of, and really, that's the whole story, isn't it? Yes. Of the, of yes. the last few weeks of his life. Or, or whether it was Moses and, it, you know, Sarah, how old was she when she mm-hmm. got pregnant? I mean, we're not talking about 30-year-old people here other, than, yeah, other than, you know, Christ who was, you know, mid-30s, I think, or something. But, you know, if you play this out, it, our best years are still right in front of us. And so 
the next five can be your best five years. Mm-hmm. The next five can absolutely be your best five. I was on a conference call about two months ago, some colleagues of mine in Indiana, and a friend of mine ended up telling the story, which was he walked into a coffee shop, and there were a, a group of men sitting around that were 70 to 80 years old. And their mantra at the table was, our next five will be our best five. Oh, that's awesome. And, and it just inspired me so much mm-hmm. when he told me that, that, that if these men can do that, that are sitting around this coffee table, I can certainly do it at 49 years old and approaching 50 rapidly, I might add. But <laughs> That's awesome. There are, you know, there are four ways that I, I think about resetting my framework all the time, and I've seen really successful people do this. I've tried to do it as often as I can and still work at it all the time. And I, I think number one is you have to create your vision. So um, and here's what I mean by that is you have to see it in your head to actually believe it and accomplish it, one. And a good way to do that is a vision board. There's lots of companies out there. You can get online on your iPad. Jack Canfield has vision boards you can do online. But it's really about getting clear about what do I want my next five to look like. If if I want my next five, like these gentlemen at a coffee shop in Indiana, in South Bend, Indiana, or uh, actually in Fort Wayne, Indiana, we're talking about, that I want my next five to be my best five. I have a vision for what that looks like. If I want to have a great relationship with my wife, here's my vision for that. If I want my business, and I have a beverage company, if I want my beverage company to do X, I have to have a vision for what that looks like and be very sharp about it and clear. Speaking of clear, and we talked about this a little bit ago, clarity is the antidote to anxiety. It always is. Take time to get clear on what matters to you, what matters most to you in your walk with God, in your personal life, in your business, in your relationships. And if you just spend time getting clear, all the little things that take up your time go away. Because clarity brings focus and focus brings action. And we can, we're going to talk about that on May 21st a little bit at our summit up in Scottsdale. If you, can, you should come and join us. It'll be a great morning. So number one is vision. Second is goals. People have to be very, and I have to be very specific about my goals. When do I want to accomplish and what time frame do I want to accomplish it? Write those down. Be very clear about what those goals are. When I was an assistant manager at Best Buy Company, long before I ever became an executive running all the sales business, I wrote down all the goals of what I had. When was I going to be a store manager, a district manager, regional manager? And I hit every one of those goals. I never should have. I wasn't the smartest guy. I wasn't the brightest. I certainly wasn't the tallest, as you can tell. But you know what? I was very specific and deliberate about those goals. Number three is communicate. Communicate what you choose to do. Get out loud about what your vision is. Get out loud with your partner. Get out loud with your parents, with your family, with your friends, with your business. Here is where we're going. And the more you communicate it, the more it becomes real. Because we we know you have 65,000 thoughts every single day. What you communicate internal is every bit as important as what you communicate external. And we'll, we'll talk about this as well May 21st. However, if you start communicating external, you don't have any options. You're going to have to do it because now you're on the hook. And I, I got a funny story about when I signed up for a marathon, which is crazy. I couldn't run a mile, and I said it out loud. I had to go do it. Number four is take action. All you have to do is today just make two decisions. That get you moving towards your vision. That's it. Two decisions that get you moving towards your vision. It's no more than that. That's it. You know what? Today, if I say, let's just take weight loss because it's such a big thing today. If, if I'm going to lose weight, you know what? I'm just going to drink two more glasses of water today. It's today. That's it. One decision. So if you can do those four things, for really five. One, make a choice and be very deliberate and purposeful about what that choice is. Two, be very clear about your vision. Write it down. Have somebody help you. Get a book on how to create your own vision. It's not that hard. Paint it in your head. Paint that picture in your head about what you want that to be. 
Thirdly, goals. Be very specific about your goals. Write them down. Articulate them. Share them with friends. Communicate is uh, number four. If you can communicate those externally, internally, communicate it to yourself. Write it on your mirror. I know all of you out there, including myself, spend a lot of time in front of the mirror. You know what? Take five minutes and write your goals right in front of your mirror. Tell your spouse. Tell your friends. Tell your family about what you're up to and why, why you're going after this vision you have. And then lastly, just make a decision towards it. Take action. I think that's awesome. And this, you know, this last one about taking action, because I think that in many ways is one of the hardest ones to do. And so a lot of times when I'm working with clients and when you say just two things, I say, you know, the bigger the, the hurdle, the bigger the goal, the bigger the vision, the more you can break it down into tiny pieces, you create your own momentum. Right. You know, this is how this is one of the hardest things about people that want to get a college degree. If they're not doing it right after high school, they have to create all their own momentum. You know, I went to school with a bunch of other people. So I kind of got up and went to class because everybody else was doing sure, it. Sure, yeah. And so we, everybody else was getting through it, and everyone was focused on the goal of graduation. And so it helped get you to that goal. Well, right. when we're adults, we're doing it kind of on our own. Now, we get people that around to support us, help us, whatever our team is. But we still have to break that big piece, that big goal into small, tiny pieces. Yeah, exactly. And, and decision-making is actually habitual. So if you can make one decision today, which is what I'm saying, is just make a decision, one action step today, it, that, be, that becomes habitual. The more habitual that is, the next decision you have to make is that much easier. And most decisions are not irreparable. Oh, not can, at all. You can, and, and we get kind of so focused on maybe doing things perfectly. or if I, That's how we get that indecisiveness. Exactly. That, well, I don't want to mess that up. And if I call that person or don't call that person or if I say this, and I, you know, instead of just saying, I just need to create some momentum. There's only one bad decision out there, and that's no decision. Exactly. That's the only exactly. bad decision you're going to make. Every other decision you make, you can course correct along the way. I can't tell you how many times I've had to course correct my businesses, close them, shut them down, start new ones. That's part of life. Same with some relationships. Well, because it is a discovery process. So this is, we have like maybe a minute. What do you want? To, what final parting words do you want to leave us with? I, I think we've just had a great dialogue. I think if if all of us, including myself, can be very clear about the vision we have, paint that picture vividly in our head, pray about it, ask for God's guidance, and surround yourself with people that help you get that vision and find the best in you. You're going to accomplish every goal, every mission you have in your life. And I, th- I think more than anything, too, is this idea that everybody is made for a purpose. And we have a tendency to think, well, you know, maybe if that talent is more obvious, well, you know, you have a purpose. I don't really have one. When we have to understand that whatever realm of influence we have, if our purpose is to be a mom and that changes the world, it does change it, the world. It does. You know, if my purpose is to be, you know, a garbage collector, I mean, I love the guys that come to our house. They work so hard. Yeah. And, and so it's not about... How the world ranks the vision. Yeah, this isn't grandiose, is it? It's about what God has planned as a vision for our lives. And everyone is important and relevant. So thank you so much, Tim, for being here today. Thanks for allowing me to be here. I'm looking forward to the 21st. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia, 1360 KPXQ, Faith Talk Radio. Visit my website at CynthiaHyatt.com. And Jeremy, thank you. You are the best producer. (laughs) I appreciate you a lot. Have a great week. We hope this past hour has been encouraging, motivating, and inspiring to you. 
We'd like to remind listeners that this show isn't a replacement for professional counseling or therapy. The messages and teachings shared during this show are given as a way to teach listeners with ideas and insights about how to become your own best version. Cynthia is available as a keynote or guest speaker for corporate or spiritual events. To contact Cynthia, go to CynthiaHyatt.com. If you missed any part of this program, you can hear a replay at any time at faithtalk1360.com. Join us again next Sunday at 4 p.m. for Conversations with Cynthia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ.